1: It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
2: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
3: It's Ingram plowing ahead and fighting for it. It's a touchdown. The Saints have the block and they have
4: the touchdown. Ryan still has it. Good play action. Finish. To the end zone and it's caught by Roddy White for the touchdown. Here's Coleman. Ball comes out. The Saints pounce on it for the recovery. And again, the ball's on the ground and they signal St. Football. Over the top. Wide open for the touchdown to Watson. They take the ball right out of the hands of Ryan and that'll just bring
1: us one snap to the end. In what will forever be known as the Ben Watson game, the Saints have knocked the Atlanta Falcons from the ranks of the undefeated 31-21 on Thursday night. This is Greg Rosenthal. I'm sitting here with Chris Wesseling. We're going to talk about the Thursday night game and then send it to the rest of the crew, Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler, of course, and we'll preview all of the week six games. But let's start with this one, Wes. How surprised were you? Uh, to see this Saints offense kind of looking like the Saints offense again in the second half.
5: Yeah, well, they were given a lot of prime field position too. With the, you know, I, I when I think of this game, the luck factor evened out for the Falcons. They were the first team in NFL history to be losing in four of five games uh, in the fourth quarter during their five and zero start. So that was incredibly lucky. This was incredibly unlucky to have. The unforced error of Matt Ryan hitting his fullback and fumbling the
1: center hitting his own leg on a shot. Well, I don't know back. if that's bad luck. That's just bad football. That's bad play. That's unforced errors. It's luck for the saints. It's just bad play for the Falcons. Right? I think that's bad luck. Okay. I, think I mean, when that's you turn
5: around and your fullbacks there. That's just bad luck.
1: Okay. The center dribbling the ball off his leg was pretty sad. And then, te- you know, Tevin Coleman also had a fumble, uh, which was a good play by the saints. Uh, that killed another drive, and that's what I remember from this game too. Just the Falcons in the first half going up and down the field, but having nothing to show for it. And then
5: the blunt, the blocked punt touchdown, which was reminiscent of your boy oh, Steve yeah.
1: Gleason's 2006. And you said they have the statue out outside well, of the course stadium with that play. They've had the statue of that play since uh, 2012 outside the stadium. I asked Wes if he could even you know remember where he was when that Steve Gleason punt happens and West doesn't even remember i mean that's the that's one of the greatest moments certainly in Saints history certainly the greatest punt block um in uh, NFL history, I believe, and probably the greatest moment in Superdome history, if you ask a lot of Saints fans. And it was uncanny that it was against the Falcons, and it just looked the exact same. And we, uh, the NFL.com did a great video kind of putting those two plays right next to each other on the website. On the night that Steve Gleason was given the George
5: Hallis Award.
1: Right. It, it was it, uh, The cool. Superdome was pumped up. It, it was, and for one night, it you know, it was old times. You had Drew Brees being very precise not flashy, but did throw in two or three really nice throws, 312 yards, only nine incompletions. You had a defense, which, you know, they, they got lucky, but they did win the turnover battle 3 to nothing. so that's kind of the old school Saints defense. And then you had a tight end going crazy, and instead of Jimmy Graham, it was Ben Watson having a random career game in his 12th season.
5: He was just wide open, it seemed, running free through the Falcons secondary because I think the Saints realized that Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant have been playing pretty well against wide receivers, so why not pick on the linebackers and safeties? And Ben Watson now has 62 more yards than Jimmy Graham this season. (laughs)
1: That's crazy. It's great to see. Ben Watson, who Drew Brees after the game said he looks up to, he says he's a leader, he motivates me every day, and just the way people talk about Watson, that's why he's been in the league so long, so it's a cool moment for him to have that kind of night uh, on a national stage. I give credit uh, to the offense, too, because they were without their top two left tackles. Teron Armstead, who's very good, and then they lose their first-round pick, Andrews P, early in the game. So they overcame uh, some problems. They couldn't run the ball. But really... Does this game, does it say, tell you a little more about the Falcons? It's a bigger deal for, to me at, for the Falcons to lose a game now they're at 5-1 and one than, than the Saints. Saints got to p- string a few of these together to really believe they're back in it. I thought it was interesting that Phil Sims pointed
5: out Sean Payton expects Drew Brees to have an 80% completion rate when he faces his own defense like the Falcons. Mm. And I think if you have a good quarterback, tonight's game might have told you that
1: he can hit that tight end down the seam over and over again. Well, there's a the reason they keep coming back. They're not built to blow teams out. I mean, they, they don't have a pass rush. The Atlanta does not have a pass rush. Uh, the Nick li- Beasley's disappeared the last few weeks. The linebacker position is not great for Atlanta. It's really a defense that's fundamentals, hustle, energy, but that's not going to dominate. So this was a concerning game, and it's a game where Matt Ryan, who we've talked about again and again, is having a fine season. I wouldn't say a great season, and that that continued tonight with an okay performance. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. Yeah, and Roddy White's
5: a shadow of his former self. You basically got the two playmakers, Julio Jones and Devonta Freeman. Freeman had another great game. Uh, looks fantastic. He's so decisive. Always
1: has that burst going through because he's hitting the right hole. Well, that, that puts the Falcons at five and one. The 16 and no talk was ridiculous. I don't care how easy the schedule is. Uh, they they don't have a lot of tough games, but I think this shows that they're going to lose some along the way, and we'll see how they respond to it. We'll see if the Saints can string together a few of these and make it interesting we've kind of dug dirt on the on their season already but this this was a very encouraging performance by them they're back at two and four and let, why don't we Wes let's just let's just get to the rest of the games don't you let's think do it all right let's send it over to Dan
3: the around the NFL podcast is 25% Jewish.
4: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with Gentiles and Jews. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys?
1: Hey, Dan. Nice to get a little recognition to, you know, start off. Dan you know. force-fed. Uh, Greg force-fed even fed that time Sydney's Jew. throat. That well, opener. Jewish, you know, it's cultural. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, um... I don't know what what is cultural about it is
4: no the, I know exactly what you're saying and if well this is really for the theology podcast yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. let's save this for the theology podcast I had some thoughts about being a Catholic but uh, we'll save it for the pod
5: I've got a off lot season. of thoughts about being Catholic <laughs>
4: yeah. a lot of off season chatter in the theology podcast coming up this is the Thursday wow I navigated out of there and saved you all did a of great our job. jobs thank
1: you I like Woody Allen movies you know all right there we do got I. it we got I, it we got, got
2: it. another non controversial figure thank you got Greg. It.
4: You could go to synagogue every once in a
2: while.
1: I haven't gone. No, but you could be Jewish without having gone there. I mean, it's affected my... I'm going to kill you.
2: Sorry, I know you're trying to move. Dan seamlessly gets us out of a corner. Greg (laughs) mercifully drags us right back in to destroy us.
4: All right, this is the uh, week six preview edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, We just heard from Chris and Greg uh, the Thursday night matchup between the Falcons and Saints. Uh, Listen taped this a little earlier in the day, but I'm sure it was great. Uh, you guys do really good work and you know your football. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> and uh, speaking of you know <laughs> the, uh, the idea of doing great work and knowing your football, uh, Greg Rosenthal on Thursday's edition of Around the NFL, a television show, a show that we used to be on but no longer are. Uh, <laughs> Greg uh, is on the show.
1: We're working on getting back on the show.
4: We were once on the show five days a week for a short period. Uh, canceled. Uh, Greg yeah. now on the show. On That's Thursday, all that matters, though. Talking his QB index, and it, it really is. It is a little bit of a kick because no one has supported the QB index more than the old Zeuser. And now there you are, the bright lights of Hollywood upon you. A kick like a star. A, you're
1: saying in a positive way a kick, not a kick in you know the backside. What do you say? Uh, however you want to look at it. Okay. Yeah, it was it was fun. But I, you, you and Mike
4: Silver did a really good job debating the QB index, which has Matt Hasselbeck at number 10. No joke.
1: He's played two games, and one of those two was sensational. And the other one was very good. Josh McCown still lodged what at number twenty-nine and, on it, that list, and we're gonna get we're gonna get back on. I mean, maybe maybe our listeners can tweet at NFL Network to to get us back on there. We just it had nothing to do with us. You, you know be, this, Dan. You'd
4: be better off writing to Santa Claus. You it's know,
1: been. you know, we're working <laughs> behind the scenes on fixing uh, some of the issues. Didn't have to do with with us. Sure, and we're gonna get back there. We're gonna okay, Joan of Arc. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. Remember, uh, so. I'm Jewish. They didn't teach us that. Stop
4: well, steering us back to that. Blind spot that's a theology podcast. Uh so yes, we are now uh the uh, turtle to Greg's Vinny Chase. Uh when it comes to television, that's all good. Johnny Drama and the other guy. Uh so the that's
1: good. Guy. E?
4: E. Yeah. So
1: you're saying you're going to put all your energy into supporting me, and I kick the door down, and yes. then the money just starts
2: coming. Well, that's the last choice that's been given to us, so we'll <laughs> pursue that. <laughs> well, basically, it's a, it's a
4: the idea is to just whatever gets handed to you in life, you need to react to that and just deal with it the best you can. So we will ride your coattails now, now that actual uh, group glory is no longer an option.
1: Well, like like Vinny Chase, you know, I have big-time personality, and uh, I'm ready to handle this. I'm ready to carry and you. And
4: you're also <laughs> equally good-looking uh, to Vinny Chase. Vinny
1: Chase was a cardboard box. It never made sense that he was the movie star. <laughs> <laughs> the QB index. I, I was trying to be sarcastic <laughs> before. I mean, about the, the the personality of Vinny Chase, it never made sense.
4: Adrian Grenier, if you daughter. are a listener to, of the podcast, Greg doesn't mean it. Grenier might listen.
1: It's fair. Maybe Let's, he was just playing a character. That it's was fair, dog.
4: So today today's show... Uh, now that you've heard about the Thursday night game, you heard about Greg's rise to stardom. Uh, <laughs>
2: now for the rest of us. watch with a
4: telescope. Uh, we will now get into all the games on Sunday and Monday. And Greg, uh, we have four byes, four teams on by this week. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the Oakland Raiders, St. Louis Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That leaves <clears throat> 28 teams out of 32. And that means 14 games, which means 12 on Sunday and one on Monday.
1: I'm in, Thank you. I'm impressed. Thank you. I'm impressed that you've really nailed. It took. You're a regular Rain Man. It took six weeks, <laughs> but you're there.
4: Thank you. So let's go. Why don't we get into the games? A lot to get to. Uh, let's start uh, with the 1 p.m. games, and we will start with an undefeated team, the Denver Broncos, five and zero. They are running away with the AFC South. The next closest team uh, are the uh, Chargers and Raiders, both two and three. So. Denver in great shape to win yet another division title. And now they go to Cleveland to beat the Bre- – to excuse me, to well, meet the Well said. Spo- <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, to meet the Cleveland Browns, a team that they have be- defeated 10 straight times uh, going back a long time. Mark, do you remember the last time the Browns beat the Broncos? How old were you? What were you doing?
2: I was uh, a sophomore in high school. I was 17. And Yikes. basically – Maybe sixteen. I say you're an old sophomore. No, I was sixteen. It, it was the end of of Bud Carson's career. He was about to get fired and replaced by interim coach Jim Schaffner. Another notch in our belt for anyone who doesn't believe that interim head coaches are going to guide in a team anywhere. He promised the media, "We will not lose again." And he went oh. something like one in Way ten. Way to aim high, Schaffner. Cool. Jim Schaffner also on the sideline interrupting the call during the 1980 cardiac kids playoff team to introduce the red right 88 play. Mm.
4: Oh, smart move. That guy seemingly. So it's been a long time. At all the answers. So, yeah. So it's been a long time. Yes. Uh, And Greg, uh, I will say this. Uh, the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning. I defended him earlier in the year. Now I got to back off a little bit because I need to see him make progress. And we simply did not see any progress last week.
1: He stepped back the last two weeks. He's playing like a rookie or a second year player where he's solid for most of the game. And then he makes two or three big boneheaded mental mistakes. But the difference between a guy like him and Cutler, for instance, or even maybe not Matthews after this year, it's not like Peyton Manning's mixing in any wow plays with those mental mistakes. So right now you have a guy that they're running the ball on third and long. They're throwing screens on third and long that are way behind the line of scrimmage. They're telling you they're not that confident in Peyton Manning by the way they're calling games.
2: Mike Pettin this week walked into the offensive meeting room while they were watching cutups of Denver's defense and asked basically, wait, is this just the plays where – they either made a sack. Was it the sack list, basically? Just the plays where they blew up the, the offense. He's like, no, this is essentially just play after play. This is what they're doing snap after snap. I mean, the defense, like, the way they're getting after the quarterback, and it's the secondary, too. You know, Carr last week is getting chased down a ton, and when he had anyone open, the guy had maybe half a yard or a yard on the on the cornerback or safety.
1: Well, there's a chance that Akib Tlaib – misses this game. We'll see. DeMarcus Ware is going to miss this game. So maybe, just maybe, if if those two guys were out, cat And Demarius Thomas isn't 100% healthy. Maybe the Browns are catching him at the at the right time. The thing about the Broncos at 5-0 and oh is, as as good as they are, they're in every game. Like I don't think this is an unwinnable game for the Browns by any means because the Broncos don't have an offense right now that, that's going to run away and hide from you. They scored six points in the black hole. A Peyton Manning team against the Raiders scored six points. Do you know what you should have told Mike Silver? Oh, what? <laughs> Tim Tebow in 2011 averaged...
5: More touchdowns mm. per game than Peyton Manning's offense has ever eaten this year. It's
4: been a different situation. Connor Orr, who's been something something of a renegade uh, with the picks this season, he has picked the Cleveland Browns. He's the only one that did. I believe, Mark, initially you did pick the Browns, and now you went to the Broncos.
2: Mm. Well, no. I, a
4: crisis of confidence. No, I had
2: it it in there for a bit. Well, it's because they took a screen capture, and it's sitting on our site, and I'm getting absolutely destroyed on Twitter by people So you changed Denver. it for that? No, I changed it after I went back and watched the Broncos-Raiders game. Mm. How about Duke I mean how about Duke Johnson I like Duke Johnson How about Josh McCown we, we he
1: played so well that for a point I know I know we got to move on for a for a second you were like there's a little bit of Mark Sester's like, well, maybe this. Is, I didn't think he maybe played that great against the guy that we're waiting for. I, I was really talking I, about the Chargers
4: game. I, I got to give Mike Pettin a little credit, too, because I and many other people were killing him for putting McCown back in the lineup. And he has played pretty well for three straight weeks now. And they're still not a playoff team. There's still a case to be made that you should be playing the young guy right now. But they're a competitive team. They're frisky. And McCown has not been the problem on any level.
5: Fifth, above or below 50 percent chance, the Broncos defense knocks Josh McCown out of this game.
2: Well, they're hurting. Oh, they're, wow. they're, they're hammering quarterbacks. He's over and too. he runs himself into more trouble than any quarterback right. in the league. Yeah. I want to see if Robert Turbin plays. That's, I, I think that he would be an upgrade, honestly, over Isaiah Crowell this season. Oh,
5: well, Crowell. Hmm.
2: Does McCown, anybody call? McCown gets credit for that touchdown, which was a dump off, and Crowell made a bunch of people miss. Well, their running backs, which they didn't do any last year, are actually pass-catching backs this year, and he did look good. But as a running back, he's left a lot to be desired this whole season.
4: Think anybody calls him Turbo makes sense. It would be a missed sure. opportunity if they haven't.
2: Maybe in Seattle they did. Okay. Moving on, the Chicago
4: Bears, who, listen, I'm not going to say we're nervous that we forked the Bears, but they're showing some life. A team that everybody's like, not nervous are they going to win a game? Well, now they're 2-3, and three, and they're being, they're being respectable, and Jay Cutler's playing okay for Jay Cutler, and now they go to <laughs> Detroit to face a winless Lions team where home field advantage doesn't mean Jack S, let's face it. Uh, and this is a game, another winnable game, where the Bears can get to um, three and three. But however, Greg, you may, used to make picks, but you don't anymore. It's disappointing. We've talked about it. Uh, I'm disappointed. I think everyone else is too. But you, you did a, a now hit earlier where you you believe that the Lions are about to finally Get off the schneid.
1: Well, as 0-5 teams go, they're they're a very good 0-5 team overall. I mean, even in last week's game, they were moving the ball. They had more to- yards than the Cardinals in the first half of that game as they're getting blown out. And, yeah, they're overdue. The, the Bears have won some scrappy games. They deserve credit. Jay Cutler's doing a lot with a little. And I think Adam Gase has has had a positive impact. His foot, I don't know. I'm not a footwork expert, but I do know he has great pocket. Don't sell
4: yourself short. I
1: know bro. he has great pocket movement, and they're having a hard time getting
2: Cutler down uh, when, when defenses get to. What about Vic Fangio's defense? I think it's been a little underrated.
5: Fourth in total defense. That
1: is... What kind of sorcery is that? That That is shocking. And if... God, maybe, maybe they beat the line? I don't think so, though.
4: From the <laughs> NFL Media Research Guide, Chris Jay- Wesley. Matthew Stafford has a 0.5 passer rating when targeting Megatron on a pass that's 15 or more yards downfield. It was 82.9 last year. Now... Does that speak more, Chris Wesling, to the offensive line or to Matt Stafford, or to Megatron?
5: All the above and Joe Lombardi, the play caller. Mm. I think it speaks to everything. The whole everything's intertwined in that offense for how bad they've been. Calvin is not the same player though. He's not. They've got the Bengals picked on Kerry Williams last week, the week before Calvin
1: Johnson couldn't do it. If if they if the Bears could win this game and get to three three well, it doesn't matter at this point in the season, but if, if there was voting for Defensive Player of the Year, I think your boy, Wes Pernell McPhee, would have to be in the mix. Really? He's been as good week after week making game-changing plays, I think, as as just about anyone. You don't think so?
5: I, I wouldn't. I He's played great. I don't know about Defensive Player of the Year. Great. Here's something
4: crazy. An 0-5 team being picked across the board by the entire round of the NFL. Really? Team and also the <laughs> fans, uh, the fan consensus on NFL.com. So everyone is saying probably the same thing. Like, listen, the lines are bad, but they're not. This they're not bad. right. They're and not. The Bears are terrible bad. on the road. This makes sense to finally get a win. We'll see if it happens.
1: By the way, if, if yes. you wanted to sign it up, we have a weekly pick'em league. On a that thats rich around, coming from you, Greg. Around the NFL, I'm just saying we we never mention it. There are a lot <laughs> of guys going up against us. Who knows who's in first place right now? It's, maybe it's I know who's that. in speaking last of, place.
4: Speaking of picks, before we move on to the next game, Mark, you approached me uh, something you had uh, thought about privately for some time, and maybe you wanted to bring up here.
2: Well, I mean, I feel you know my performance. If you if you want to waste five minutes of time and go looking at the standings in our picks, I am picking like a seven-year-old that's never watched the sport. It's embarrassing, and I believe that I should be forked, and we talked about that on the last show. And my proposal is that, you know, there's been a lot of discord because Greg, who is who is fun to work with and is good at picking games, he won last year, and it's not been good for our show that he's not on. And I think he should take over my spot because it's the challenge he needs. Get back mm. in with a last-place team. And if you can turn this ship around, Greg, you have proven yourself to be one of how about the that, greats Greg? in the industry. How about that, Greg? You're
1: fifteen games behind. That's impossible. That's you need the challenge.
5: For the third time in this podcast history, I'm about to compare somebody to Michael Jordan. <laughs> Greg <laughs> right, Greg didn't have any challenge. That's part of the reason why he quit picking games. It's like when Jordan decided to play baseball. He, he was he had won three championships in a row. It was like, all right, what who do I have to beat now? And that's how Greg you know, but stopped picking games.
4: You have a chance to walk into Mark's Factory of Sadness Bring in some workers off the street. Yep. Put them back to work. This is America, damn it. And get these <laughs> machines out of here, all these robots. Get some some hands and some, some smiles and feed some families.
5: Greg, this is your chance. We need some fight for your rights. Of every man in the background.
1: If this was the WWE, you guys have come up with a with a very intriguing plot line. Yes, I have to admit that. But it also seems like a, a highly created thing <coughs> just to get Mark because uh, he's lazy and doesn't want to do his. You know, he doesn't want to do the picks. That's well, true. that's not
2: true. I think he's thinking about the podcast. I am. I'm thinking about that first, and I know that Greg doesn't want to do it 50/50. because 50. <laughs> he doesn't want his <laughs> face attached to my record. Like, on the site itself. He doesn't want Greg Rosenthal's headshot attached to my results. I would say we could split it down the middle and put a big paragraph above the picks to explain (laughs) to readers what is happening. Nobody cares.
1: Nobody cares.
4: (laughs) That was a bridge too far there, Mark. (laughs) Oh, well. All right, moving on. So is that a yes or no?
1: Right now it's a no. Wow, that's good, though. I'll think about it. All
4: right, moving on. The Houston Texans, uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL because of their ghastly game of musical chairs going on. Uh, Brian Hoyer back in the starting lineup, and he faces a Jacksonville Jaguars team that has not been forked uh, by us. They're one and four. They've had good play from their quarterback, which is getting getting certain individuals very excited at this table, um, perhaps everyone at this table. But if they don't beat the Houston
5: Texans, come on, Wes. Well, yeah, Fork them. I- the Jaguars need Sendak marks hasn't played all year. he's coming back from ACL surgery. He should be back any game now and he's their best defensive player. Last week Paul Puzlesny, who's been their leading tackler was out too and without those two guys they're just not a very good defense
1: so maybe they can maybe they can become a little frisky
5: with those two guys back in the lineup in the next few
1: weeks. They, they really have struggled to find big-time difference makers on defense. It's an okay team defense, but it is no better than the day Gus Bradley started, really, in terms of identifying guys that you think, okay, that guy might make a Pro Bowl or that guy could be a future All-Pro. Send Derek Marks, I would say, was the one guy that they've had in three years, and he hasn't played at all this. Their, first,
4: their first overall pick or the third overall pick in the draft, that guy would have helped as well.
2: Yeah, Not but Dante it, I, it doesn't help that the contrast of Dan Quinn – You know, his replacement as defensive coordinator of the Seahawks goes to Atlanta and with a lot of the same players, has them looking completely different.
1: Well, let's give some love to Bortles, uh, uh, you know, on this show. What what is it that gets you going Wes cuz when I when I watch him I think he's thrown in five or six wow plays practically a game his whole career where he shows it all he's got pocket movement he's got the big arm he can put some touch on the pass like he reminds me He reminds me mostly of Cam Newton and Andrew Luck I guess if I had to pick someone he reminds me a little bit of John Elway What do you think of that? Wow. I I would say what
5: gets me excited is the same thing that got all of us excited
1: in his preseason of his
5: rookie year, that Mm. he looks like, to me, a young Ben Roethlisberger, Mm. that he can move well in the pocket. He's a big body. He's an athlete. He can make all the throws. And it it seems
1: like he does pretty well on the run, too. He's aggressive. The difference, I guess, the last couple weeks watching him is he's just not having those – big mistakes, and he, he's not having those stretches where he's wild. He's still a little wild compared to... But that's why he reminds me a little bit of Cam Newton. Maybe he can be a Cam Newton
2: type of player. I mean, they finally have a, some developing talent around them, too. Last year was just... They didn't want to play him last year. That was the blueprint. We're going to put Chad Henney in because they knew how bad their protection was and how little talent there was, and he bottomed out at the end of last season. I mean, we we game after give, game, he's playing better. This we year. should give Alan Hearn some credit. I believe he's like
1: fifth in receiving or something. Yeah, receiving the, yards. The two Allens. If if you have them, you have Julius Thomas. I mean, that whole plan is, is coming together. On the other side of things, is there a team that you? It's amazing that a team with J.J. Watt and Jadevian Clowney would be right near the bottom, if not the bottom, of teams I want to watch play football.
2: Well, yeah. it's because of the whole other side of the ball,
1: right? But it's just they they have to be. Is there, I'm trying to think. Is there they
2: a have DeAndre the Hopkins too? It's fun to watch. Honestly, Hoyer, and I'm not a Hoyer guy this season. I was last year, but he played an excellent. That's true. An excellent game last time And DeAndre
1: out. Hopkins had one, just a dominant game in that game and got lost in the shuffle. There's a the problem,
4: though. Yeah, Hoyer played very well when he came on, but... He made one of the worst passes I've ever seen at the end of the game. He's going to do that. He's always going to be that guy that you start to get in on him. You start to get into cleveland Springsteen. you start to believe, and then it's like, oh, wait, this guy is not very good. I mean, they're still in the same bad spot. I
2: go back to my theory that they need to replace the quarterback, switch Mallett and Hoyer every series, because if you look statistically Mm. what they've done off the bench when they invariably keep putting someone on the bench, the reliever has come in and lit it up, but it's anyone who starts the game who is prepared for on any level? Seems for by the like defense. a problem. Renegade, well, it's a disaster. Is what it is.
4: Renegade Connor Orr was the only one in the group to pick <laughs> the Texans, uh, but so did the fans. The fan consensus does not believe in the Jags.
1: How's Connor doing overall in the
4: picks? He is one game behind Wes okay, and I, so he's competitive, and seven games behind Patrick, who's doing very well.
1: But 70%. he's doing it with a lot of style. So even just staying in the yes. mix, just the just him. You
5: don't get you don't get to provide analysis anymore because you're yeah. no longer a game picker. Yeah, that's true.
2: Yeah, you were about to get critical there, I could tell. You were about, yeah. there was a southern, other side I like, to that.
4: I also liked Mark's idea earlier that if you put like a potato sack or something <laughs> over your head whenever we talk about the picks.
2: Well, it's more like a hostage, a black hostage hood over Greg's face. He's not allowed to express opinions or especially be critical of anyone who did participate.
1: <laughs> your thoughts,
2: Greg? How about that, Greg?
1: I'm speechless Shame. for the first time. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Um, all
4: right. Moving on, Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they are undefeated, and they just pulled off something wild by coming back from 17 points down um, to beat the Seahawks. That is something that has not been done to come back in the fourth quarter down 17 points uh, and then win. It has not happened since 2011, which Mm. tells you not only did they pull it off, they did it against a historically – Great defense, maybe not right now, but still a great team. So now they're 5-0, and and now they travel to Buffalo. This is an interesting game uh, with the Bills, who have been 3-2, and have been one of the best-looking teams in the AFC for three of those weeks. Uh, but they might not have Tyrod Taylor, and actually there's probably a good chance they don't. He uh, practiced in a limited fashion today. Rex does not want to make a, an announcement, but uh, I guess our reports that we're hearing is that it will be EJ Manuel behind center, which to me, uh, Greg, would be a real bummer because if, if that wasn't the case, this to me would be a coin flip game.
1: And I th- I still think they could win the game with EJ Manuel. I give Greg Roman, Mark's boy, a lot of credit for the offense. He's dialed up with Taylor. Now, may- maybe it's a huge drop off from Taylor to Manuel, uh but the way he's kind of cooked up schemes it reminds me a little bit of what Michael Lombardi used to say with battleship offenses or battleship defenses Greg Roman get is out there a little bit and every you know he has a very specific plan for that specific game and sometimes it just hits and guys are open and he's going to score a lot of points and sometimes it doesn't hit at all and maybe he can get he can get a big hit with EJ Manuel
5: Yeah I think from the Bengals side of things you know I Greg last week you said that Greg Hardy had... One of the best games by a defensive end all season. Carlos Dunlap's fourth quarter wasn't very f- very far behind Greg Hardy's whole game. Dunlap was wreaking havoc, and, and your boy Pac-Man has been awesome this year.
1: He, he's he been terrific. I mean, the Bengals' defense defensive line is really very deep. Dunlap's playing great. Atkins is playing great. Wallace Gilberry's playing pretty well. And, oh, by the way, oh, thanks for Michael Johnson back now, a solid starter <laughs> that we just like – that the Bucks. no, they didn't give him back, but they, they – lost him in free agency and got him back at a much cheaper price.
2: This is definitely one of, the most, one of the more interesting tests for Dalton so far. I mean, dealing with Buffalo's defensive line in Buffalo, which they're a different team there at home. I don't know, though. I really – like, I am waiting for the stinker game still, but not the same way that I was three weeks ago because something with Dalton is so completely different. The first drive last week when they scored a touchdown against Seattle – Two players that we've talked about a bunch, Marvin Jones and Eifert. He hmm. pegged Marvin Jones with a beautiful throw down field that he just did not make at times last season. And then the next play, Eifert in the end zone. Well, this is such a test uh,
1: going up against Stephon Gilmore and Ronald, Ronald Darby. Dog. Are they the
5: best cornerback tandem in they're, the league? They're so
1: physical, and and we kind of were waiting. How is this defense going to be under Rex Ryan? How is it going to be different? Because it was a very good different defense last year, and I think how it's different is in that secondary. Those two cornerbacks are at another level. And Marcel Darius, I think, is at another level, too, on the defensive line. He's There's up. another
5: difference. They don't get nearly as
1: many sacks as they did under the last few defensive coordinators. Teams are throwing the ball very quickly on them. I think that's, that's basically the M.O. The other thing is I think the linebackers have taken a step back. Nigel Bradham and Preston Brown are not having particularly good seasons this year. Uh, and they were big-time players last year.
2: That's weird that the sack total would be so far off when two years ago it was a Rex Ryan defense. They have a nine, rate. and I th- the Packers probably have 20. Hmm. Hmm.
4: Mark, you took the Bills.
2: I did take the Bills. Why? Well, because my bold prediction this week was that, uh, you know, Dalton was going to get banged in Buffalo. It's going to be his first down game. But, again, I don't think that means the kind of game he, for instance, he had on Thursday night against the Browns last year where it was like, did he even practice this week? I don't think we're going to see that, but this is going to be, in my opinion, a low-scoring game, like a 17-14 to 14 type deal. It, I This guy of got lost
1: in the shuffle, maybe not in Buffalo, but I'm surprised you haven't brought it up because you love to pick on Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan and his cronies, two plays after Tyrod Taylor was wrenched and clearly hurt his leg and was limping, put him out at wide receiver. For a play, and then he gets tackled big time out of bounds. Two plays <laughs> after getting hurt, literally, you have the franchise quarterback playing receiver after he got hurt, and then he's limping. It was just—it was one of the worst coaching moments of the year. I
5: was wondering where you were going with that when you said cronies. I thought they were going to be like in Rex's basement, <laughs> smoking cigars and playing poker.
4: <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll also take you to task on one thing, Greg. Okay. Um The you made a comment in your re- most recent QB index that you were surprised that it took Rex so long to to locate tyrod Taylor as a starter why don't we give Rex credit we're always berating him about how he can't figure out how to get a quarterback to play and doesn't have any any idea what to do with the position he got it right in august and now he's got a good quarterback on his hand
2: well or that's Doug Whaley oh whatever bringing Doug him Whaley. in you know, I don't Rex, think Rex has been
1: talking up tyrod Taylor for years
5: mm.
4: so let's give Rex a little QB credit he's never gotten it before this one he got right in a big way
1: you're right Give him some credit. Maybe Whaley was pushing manual since that was Whaley's well, that's first, first round pick. Who's boondoggle. Uh, he, he did get it right. They t- took a lot of time there. He's got to get some money. You got to pay Tyrod Taylor. He keeps us up.
4: You know, they went down. They did the same thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know. As soon as they paid I him. I don't care. You he got to Would keep. you
2: mind Rex Ryan getting Tyrod Taylor for the Jets years ago, if that's how long he's been fascinated with this player? Well,
4: let that's a, let's water under the bridge, Mark. Let's just move forward as humans. Uh, let's move forward to Minnesota, where the uh, Vikings, who are now sitting at 2-2 two and two, and in second place in the NFC North, will host the wretched Kansas City Chiefs at 1-4, and four, and now without Jamal Charles, who's lost for the year. Just a devastating setback to the Chiefs and fantasy owners alike, including Malina Weintraub, who uh, had... Well, Charles is the first pick. It hurts. It hurts the entire team. Well, you should clarify it
2: to, for listeners that yes. it's not her fantasy team. She has no idea, but you've named your I've, fantasy yeah. team after her. We've
4: named our fantasy team after this AT&T uh, girl from the commercials. Yes, it's slightly creepy. I understand.
5: I'd rather go to a shopping mall than cover this game. Yeah, let's.
4: Oh. Uh, Wes, explain to me why this game is so <laughs> unappealing, despite having perhaps the greatest running back of all
5: time prominently involved. The Chiefs are involved. That's all you need to know. What a boring, boring team. We thought they might be a little more exciting this year, and then their best player goes down, unfortunately, with a knee injury. But Alex Smith, how do you get excited watching a quarterback throw short of the sticks and never lead a two-minute drill?
1: The Vikings have also – it just feels like they're a forgotten team right now. They're very under the radar – I mean they're two and two. They I thought they were going to be the big trendy, like talked about team, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, he's he's been fine this year, but he has two
4: touchdowns. He has not past. I
1: would say two. It's very early. He's only played four games, but the trio Bad. of Tyrod Taylor, Derek Carr, and Bortles right now are the are the three kind of up and coming quarterbacks where Bridgewater's just been kind of steady. Yeah. He's had one really good
5: game,
2: one terrible game, and two games in between. Yeah. Well, and Mike Wallace hasn't been healthy. Yeah, but and Charles Johnson's not been healthy. There, I mean, you know, that some part of the it's elements. A bad wide
4: receiver group too, though. I mean, Charles Johnson. I know we've been waiting for him to break out for a few years. Mike Wallace isn't Mike Wallace anymore. I I don't think that they, they don't have the weapons around this guy. Besides Peterson at this point.
2: I would I I wouldn't count them out yet though, because I Norv Turner's done this over and over with, with offenses. I, I think he'll be fine. It's uh, crazy at this point. Remember at this
1: point last year we would always have like a weekly Corderell Patterson update. And now we're at the point where Stefan Diggs plays ahead of Corderell Patterson and no one even blinks.
4: I, I took him in the third round of my fantasy draft last year and it oh. wasn't even thought <laughs> at the time it was like, Well, that makes some sense. He's a big breakout guy. That's right. how high people were. Hey on man, Patterson he's gonna he's gonna be August.
2: used in the backfield too. Don't you know that's a, that's a savvy player. He looks like part. the greatest
4: football player in the world.
2: How many different ways can you
5: write the guy doesn't know how to run a route?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's a weird, like, criticism too, to have such little ability in that part of the game. You would think <laughs> at some point you would get better at
1: it. It's like it's like a writer. Well, he, you know, he's tons of talent. He's great. Cannot write a sentence. He <laughs> uh, con- just can't do it. Yeah. Can't get the subject and, and the predicate.
4: The reckless Connor Orr was the only one to take the Chiefs <laughs> in this game. <laughs>
1: At this point, it's a bit, by yeah. Connor. He like-
4: we haven't even talked to him about this at all, but it's now week after week it's coming up. But he
1: puts them in before. I mean, it's not like he sees your picks. Nope. picks against them.
4: So it's, he it's, just, it's he's just he's just he's a renegade. He's basically what Mark has been trying to do, but he's been able to go about five hundred on these type of picks, whereas Mark, you've probably been going. Well, I tried last
2: week and I got. I had think I had five heroes and I. Got three of them right, but it was the rest of the games where I went about one and nine.
4: Yeah. All right, the Washington Redskins uh, and their solid defense heads to the Meadowlands to face the New York Jets in their solider defense. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Journalism oh, school. The New York Jets are 3-1 coming off their bye. They face a 2-3 and three Redskins team. Uh, this is the Jets led by, according to Brandon Marshall, the best running back in football and Chris Ivory. Uh, which I think maybe is a bit of a stretch. But at times, Chris <laughs> Ivory has looked like one of the best running backs in football this season. The Jets also, of course, getting back Sheldon Richardson off his four-game suspension. So uh, Eric Decker is also healthy. So the Jets are healthy, at home. Everything seems like it's going to be headed towards another win, and that's why I'm terrified about this game against a slightly frisky Redskins team.
5: I didn't think they're more than slightly frisky. They Don't they play pretty close to every team they play? They play up against. I, I think that Giants game was kind of a letdown on national TV. But other than that, they've been very frisky all year. They, I mean, yeah, they
1: get other teams to play their style, which is a credit to them. They, they slow the game down, ugly it up. They are the Kirk Cousins of teams. <laughs> ugly, low ceiling. And, you know, gets Mark Sessler excited.
2: No, well, no, no, listen, I'm not... Old, t- I,
4: ugly, low-ceiling Sessler, that's what <laughs> Well, I just them. know he
2: likes <laughs> yeah. Kirk Cousins and the Redskins, so does Wes. I like Kirk Cousins, but I think I'm also, as I said on Sunday night, he absolutely killed that team with a couple decisions against the Falcons in a game they could, they like, very ended the game. Yeah. That wasn't his fault, that was a tight end's fault. Charlie Casserly broke down the tape
5: and... and you know he knows more than i do that was his conclusion he also well, saw, saw the pressure coming there. and just
1: got rid of the ball a, it, a little early they had a he
5: also led a, a a touchdown drive to tie the game they had right. that's what i wrote yards. up
2: that, that he had a masterful drive to put them into overtime and he looked like he had more command of that offense than any quarterback the redskins have had since 2012 with rg3 but, but you. Maybe. But it's the they, they complete given, package.
1: They were given so many chances in that game, and they had 140 yards with about seven minutes left in the game. And the Falcons just kept handing it over and kept giving them good field position, and they weren't getting first downs. The run game was a big part of it. The run game, which should be great, has been up and down. You're not really
2: sure what you're going to get week to week. From well, that. they feel like an 8-and-8 eight eight team for everything we're talking about because when they're good, you really want to buy into them. And then the next week, that doesn't sustain.
4: I think this could be a very low-scoring game for sure. I mean, I think this could be an ugly game that, Wes, you're making fun of my team when we do the podcast on Sunday night because whether they win or lose, it, it's just going to be one of those games.
5: No, I totally think it's going to be low-scoring because that's – that. like Greg said, the Redskins kind of take you down into the mud and make you wrestle with them.
4: We have an in, interesting – one of the more interesting go-get-my-lunch props of the season. It's one of yours, Wes. Kirk Cousins throws for at least 20 touchdowns and 3,000 yards in 2015. Both uh, myself and Greg took you up on that. I look at – you take a look at what his projected numbers are right now.
5: I I don't think he has the touchdown.
4: You got the yardage easy. He actually is on pace for over 3,900 yards, but he's only on pace for 16 touchdowns right now. He only has five –
5: One three-touchdown game. Yeah, you got a chance. I think he's going to do it. What's working against me is their style of play, which is to run the ball.
1: But as long as he stays healthy, the yards they're going. Well, gonna, he's fine with the yards. It's not even yeah. going to be remotely close. And if he can play 16 games, you'll have a chance. One or two big
2: games 30's through 30's the air. Get
1: Jordan Reed and Deshaun Jackson back in that lineup. He's going to be throwing touchdowns all over the place. Thirty's a lot, Play. <laughs> sure though. Blake Bortles had 11 <laughs> touchdowns all of last year. I mean, thirty thirty's a big he's number. He stunk last <laughs> year. <laughs> Twenty. Say Twenty is what he needs. Twenty. Oh, twenty. Twenty
2: is very achievable. I think he can he's do it. He's got five through five games.
1: I didn't take him up on this, correct? 20, no. Twenty kay. is pretty doable. You got a chance.
4: Oh yeah. yeah. All right. And as far as this <laughs> old renegade, or pick the Redskins. <laughs> the rest of us picked wow. Jets.
2: You always pick. <laughs> I don't the think Jets that's thing. crazy though. That's not crazy. That's
4: not crazy, yeah. but it's it, when it's every game when no, he's it's the only one. Funny. <laughs> it's
1: literally three straight games. He's that <laughs> hero. Picks. Uh,
4: all right. Another great. This is a oh excellent one PM game. Uh, it will be, be even better if Ben Roethlisberger is back, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. The Arizona Cardinals, 4-1, uh, and one, the apple of Chris Wessling's eye. The team of around the NFL uh, travel to Heinz Field to face the Steelers. Uh, with some bad news today uh, for the Steelers. Marquise Pouncey, their center, uh, who, had, who broke his leg in the preseason, underwent surgery, went on uh, IR Boomerang, was expected to be back. Has to have another ankle surgery, so now his entire season is in doubt. uh, And their backup center has not played very well at all, so that's a bummer. Mm.
1: So they wasted the boomerang, potentially.
4: Potentially wasted their boomerang. Uh, Big Ben practiced on Thursday, but in a limited fashion. And as our friend Andrew Siciliano, who will be on a little later, um, said on today's show, whenever a QB is only limited on a Thursday, not typically a good sign. So, Mark, we might see some more Michael Vick, which might not be a great thing because other than one big throw and a couple passes in that last drive was a bit of a nightmare on Monday night.
2: I think we are going to see him. It sounds like the problem with Big Ben is he can't. He said he can't move laterally. That he that's can, a problem. That, that he can throw. That would seem necessary. I think he's a while, while away. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, they they can't be the same team and – you know, we talked about it Sunday night, the issues with, you know, his lack of connection with Antonio Brown. And if you just look at how different this team is when Big Ben isn't on the field, like in terms of what they're capable of doing and completely levels the field. Big Ben
1: and Shazier. Shazier, I know he's not Big Ben, but I thought he was going to be the best player on their defense. And one of the only chances, I guess, Stephon. T- how many games has he played for? Is- he only played two this year, right before he hurt the shoulder. I think he got hurt in week three, and so that that's a big problem. I mean, he's he's not expected to be back. Martavis Bryant, though, is coming off of his suspension. He could have last week, but they didn't activate him. He will play in this game, so that, that could give him a little boost. Well, he got
2: hurt in practice last week. That was so. I I wonder if he's fully healthy. He, he, but is, that...
1: he is fully practicing and not yep. on the week six injury report.
2: I think because they're so well coached and they're
5: a veteran team. Um, and they are a team, the Cardinals are less susceptible to overlooking opponents and having down weeks, and that won't even be a problem this week because Bruce Arians has some revenge factor going on after the Steelers treated him so poorly, blamed everything on him when he had a great offense, and that you'd hear the owner and the coach, yeah, we're going to have to run the ball a little bit more, and Arians' offense would just be dynamic. Yeah. And then basically
1: they tried to get him to retire. they well, they did. They announced his retirement. It's one of the craziest things that's happened. Not only that, they leaked out these stories about, you know, he, he has to run the ball more or else he can't stay or else he's going to retire. I remember exactly the reporter they leaked it out to. Then they try to retire him. And the crazy thing is – Two years later, they they realize, oh yeah, we have Ben Roethlisberger. We're gonna run that bombs away offense, except you're doing it with a, a slightly worse or a, a worse offensive coordinator with Todd Haley.
2: And they gave Arians a laundry list of you know mid tier backs at best, and then here comes Haley and he's got Le'Veon Bell. This the Arians is one of the only
1: coaches where I think this would actually make a difference for the players that they want to go out and and crush the Steelers for Arians. I don't think players would really care in most cases, but Arians, I think, is the exception.
4: I agree. Uh, Everyone took the Cardinals to take care of business against the Vic-led Steelers. Moving on, uh, the Miami Dolphins. This is our last 1 p.m. game. The Dolphins are heading to Nashville to face the Titans. This is the first game for interim Dolphins coach Dan Campbell, who had this interesting quote. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Dan Campbell era. Have I mentioned that? (laughs) Had this quote. When I start thinking I got to say how I imagine he would say when I start thinking about Sunday a little too much, I start wanting to throw up a little bit. He's <laughs> oh, no. basically like a nineteen ninety two WWF wrestler. He's the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <It's> absolutely-
1: <laughs> Except his move is throwing up. <laughs> vomiting <laughs> this finishing Coaching. move is vomiting in a that, toilet. Would, that would be distracting though if you're a titans player and you just see the coach just barfing all over the place like so that's donovan McNabb's move
5: <laughs>
4: uh, barfing is always underrated so yeah this is the first game for dan campbell and a dolphins team that really potentially could just be going down in flames now we'll see what happens they're one and three the titans a uh also one and three but a different vibe around that team was
5: yeah, uh, Ken Wisenhunt really raised my ire, and I won't be picking the Titans in any game the rest of the year. What? Because fourteen. Look, twelve more weeks. If you don't want to win a football game, then I'm not going to pick you. And I, he didn't want to win last week. I thought i will have no
4: fury like a West scorn.
5: He didn't <laughs> want to win. He just wanted not to lose. I I
1: was thinking of you as I watched this game because it was wildly infuriating to see him punt multiple times on fourth and two at the forty to try to punt. With 316 left, down one. It was, insane. I think, it was insane. I think I read somewhere that only one team
5: in the NFL ever punted in the first half in the in the opponent's 40-yard line. And Wisenhunt did it twice mm. in one game. Wow. The
2: QB whisper, Ken Wisenhunt.
1: Yeah, and he wants to have— Done with that guy. Okay. <laughs> I I liked how they let Mariota, or maybe he just did it himself. I like that Mariota started running last week because he could be, you know, one of Should be doing that way more. He ran for more yards last week than he did in the first three weeks combined. He also almost outrushed. The rest of the Titans' running backs on 23 less attempts. That whole three pack. Let's give seven carries to Andrews, McCluster, and Sankey is just depressed. What the
5: hell is going on with that team? <gasps> Antonio Andrews runs a 4.940, and they're using him as their running back. What are you? Harry Douglas is out there as their number one receiver. I get some players, Tennessee, play the right ones.
4: I would rather be called a communist in 1950s America. Than be a coach labeled a quarterback whisperer,
2: doom coming your way. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, Mark Sessler is going to be, you know, skeptical of you if you get that label. You hate the quarterback whispers.
2: I don't like it when it's attached to Ken wizenhunt <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fair. He's
2: got to work. You know, one thing Mariota, just
1: watching them, has got to You know, one thing he doesn't do is ever complete a deep pass. Two I mean, every, all year. Everything he does is really impressive. He's so calm in the pocket. I still love watching him every week, but he, they cannot get anything going down the field.
4: Uh, Mark, you and I both took the Texans in this, or the Titans in this game. The rest of the crew took the fish.
2: Bad move, rest of crew.
4: <laughs> Moving on, the San Diego Chargers are the next victims to stroll into Lambeau Field. They will face the Packers, who uh, have not lost at Lambeau Field. Uh, the stat I dug up. Not with the research notes, but just on my own time. Uh, for, they have not, not true. lost a game at Lambeau Field since 1861, Whoa! the first year wow, of the that's, Civil
2: War.
1: That's crazy. <laughs> that was Augustus Lombardi's team, right? <laughs> wow.
2: What's great is you will get a sincere tweet or couple from people correcting you on that.
4: It's happened and it hap- will happen again. The Chargers... Uh, yeah, the most annoying if, well, listen, if the Titans are, or the Titans are the most annoying offense in football, the charges for me are the second. I can't watch mm. anymore. Dink and dunk this terrible offensive line that Phil Rivers has to play with in his back end of his prime. All these three yard passes, the godforsaken wide receiver screens. Uh, I don't think any of this is going to work when you're going to have to score at least 35 points to win this game. I think the Packers are going to trounce them. Anybody disagree?
5: In. No. Totally agree. This couldn't be a worse matchup for the Chargers with an offensive line that went into last week's game, I think with three reserves starting and had to replace three more guys during the game.
1: that That's the thing. They've been unlucky. For In their defense, they've literally had five different centers and five different left guard combos. Well,
5: now they play against uh, the number one pass defense in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders metrics, and a team with 20 sacks. Mm.
2: Second in the NFL in sacks. This is a brutal matchup for the Chargers. Even though Gurley ran for 159 on Green Bay last week, I still think that their run defense looked pretty good they for did. most of the that's game. That's how good Gurley was. That That's true.
1: I do want to see how the Packers offense comes out in this game. This is not the toughest matchup in the world. They have not looked like the Packers offense for two straight weeks. I think it's fair to, to wonder why they've only scored 17 points uh, in back-to-back weeks. They could not sustain drives. Uh, against the Rams at all, they had f- at one point they had five straight drives without a score. Then they get one touchdown. Then it's another four or five uh, without a score. Really, what they're getting is the occasional great big play from Rodgers, and that's it. They're not they're not really moving the ball that well, especially throwing. I mean, you take away Devontae Adams and Nelson, maybe maybe that's it. You need to get Eddie Lacy back on track. Yeah, if you are,
4: by the way, if you're a fantasy owner and there's a an owner that has Eddie Lacy that's getting impatient go get him because he will get hot and have roughly it's eight almost like 20 yard games
5: it's almost like he used to work for Roo with that advice right there mm, thank you very that's much
4: <laughs> by the way uh James Jones uh, is on pace for uh 1200
2: yards and 16 touchdowns this year you mean Justin Blackman if he, <laughs> What did I say? Well, no, it's, we is, we've established that it's essentially Justin Blackman went into Green Bay and Uh-oh. took James Jones's identity, and James Jones is living in you know, a mansion. You know what, I'd be happy. Nine. That would
4: mean that Justin's back on track physically. And they, they're he, splitting the money. The yeah. It's a good deal for
1: everyone. It's a everyone. good deal for everyone. Jones doesn't have to do anything. Jones If he just has 15 Blackman. touchdowns
4: and oh, almost 1,300 yards, that's the comeback player of the year, right?
1: Well, he's got to beat out half the Cardinals' roster for that award. <laughs> <laughs> but before, before we move on, quickly... Uh, you might get your. You don't like watching this offense, Dan Hansis. Mm. I'm going to throw out there. I,
5: I already I,
4: don't
1: like where this is going. i no. You should. I've heard <laughs> yeah. some whispers. Yeah. there's been whispers around Asper. the league. Mike McCoy might, might be one of those coaching names to watch if they uh, don't end up with a winning season. Really? really? Wow. Which wow. Is, it's, it's his
5: fault su- that every center he plays gets hurt.
1: It's a little surprising, but it n- is. A lot of times, there's different reasons for why coaches,
2: you know, aren't popular. What are you trying to say there, Greg? That.
1: No, I, I honestly don't know in this case. I'm just mm. saying it's surprising to me considering his results. That you want to would... kick
2: off the LA regime with a shiny new
1: coach? Sometimes you're privy to league-wide scuttlebutt. I didn't know if you had some here. <laughs> No, I didn't. I'm, a, I'm most surprised too. But I think, uh, I think he's got to win. Maybe they don't like those boring uh, attacks either.
4: We all uh, picked the Packers, with the exception of Connor, who. Oh no, boy,
1: this is no. becoming now. No, he's okay. No, he's he's kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs>
4: Listen, if Mark can joke, I can joke too. I like jokes. All right, guys, it is that time of the show where we welcome in television royalty. I mean, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna sugarcoat this at all. This guy, uh, he, we just before we started, said he gets recognized uh, at sporting events. I, well, you
3: asked. <laughs> <did> <laughs> if all right, I he didn't volunteer recognized. the information. I'm going to Game Five of the NLDS, and your first question is, how many times do you get recognized? That's fair. The this ex- is Andrew Siciliano, by the way, of NFL Network. Hey, guys. If I'm royalty, what does that, like, make real royalty here? Mm-hmm.
1: Like like Marshall or, or Michael or hey, Irv or the, Rich no. or They're just our ex- GDM crew. They're just ex-jocks. You're the real star, Andrew. Don't oh. let anyone tell you different.
2: <laughs> They're home in their massive palaces. They won't even know this conversation happened, so <laughs> exactly. just own the royalty side of it.
4: This is, this is your moment to shine as a king. All right, so Andrew is with yeah. us here. He is going to game five of the NLDS, uh, the Mets and Dodgers. We will talk about that uh, before he leaves. Uh, but for now, let's talk about some football. Let's keep going with the games, and uh, we will start with uh, with Andrew. Uh, the Carolina Panthers heading to Seattle to face the Seahawks. The Panthers, of course, four and zero. Seattle, two and three. In a spot where they cannot, they cannot uh, struggle at home in this spot here. So here we go. A big matchup between. Uh, two teams that uh, could – hell, they could see each other in January. But the Seahawks, Andrew
3: Siciliano, have to start winning now. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, you said the Carolina Panthers, of course, 4-0. I don't think that most people knew the – like, I, I don't think – the, of course, they're actually fits, not criticizing you, actually mm. commenting the fact that no one knows the Panthers are undefeated. Post right. He- no, no, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. I, I had Ted Ginn on last week, and, you know, they had the bye. And I said, D- does anyone li- around where you live know that you guys haven't lost a game yet? Mm. And and he kind of laughed at it. And I, I think they're enjoying it because they are, quote, unquote, under the radar. But if you ask your average fan on the street, name the undefeated teams of the six remaining. I bet you most wouldn't get the Carolina Panthers, and this is a huge test for them because they're on the road. They're they're against a, a defense that inexplicably blew a 17-point fourth-quarter lead last week. I, you know, I, I'm actually more curious to see how Carolina does in this game than I am how Seattle does. But on the Seattle side of things, I mean, th- they've gotta somehow protect Russell. Imagine if Russell Wilson weren't mobile. Hmm. He's already on pace to be a bloodbath, right? He he's on pace to be sacked a David Carr esque
5: seventy times. Wow! Little known fact: this is the first time all year that the Panthers are not playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
2: Well, that's a <laughs> gr- that's a great point. They're, they they've played the Jaguars, the Texans, the Saints, and the Bucks. So the undefeated I, mark is probably just not respected. I think most.
4: there's two things to play here it, it, with this game. If the Panthers win on the road in Seattle everyone's going to buy in and say, oh, this this is the real deal. And on the flip side, if the Seahawks lose, it will go from everyone being like, "Well, they're just—they just, they just got to find their legs." They're the same way last year. But if they lose in their building to the Panthers and they fall to two and four, there's going to be some panic in the air, and people are going to think this might not be their year.
1: Well, and there should be panic if they go to two and four, and I fully expect this game to come down to the last five minutes of the game. This is the fourth straight year these teams have played. Every time they play, it's close, it's and b- every time it's seemingly in Carolina too. That—that's true. But they play similar styles. That they want to win with defense and running and not opening up, and even with Cam Newton playing so well, and everyone expected his offensive line to be terrible. Granted, they have not played great teams, but they've played pretty well for the most part. I would throw Michael Orr out of that. He hasn't played well, but for the most part— Michael Orr's
5: been just fine.
1: He's been fine, and for the most part, they're protecting <laughs> Cam Newton well. My point is they're not—
5: Wes, you're like a big brother there.
1: They're not yeah. you know dying. Everybody up. likes to pick on Michael Orr, and he's been fine. You <laughs> it, bowed
3: up there a little bit, just for the record.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You, you you don't want to mess with a boat up west. He <laughs> gets a certain like tone of his voice, and you you could tell him like the Earth is round. He's not going to believe you. <laughs> He's got his his vantage point. And my point I was trying to get to is, these teams. It's not like the Panthers are going to run away and hide, or the Seahawks. The way this offense is playing, it's a lackluster offense. It's going to be a twelve to ten type of game. That's just who these teams are. Wow,
2: I want to see on the ground like Thomas Rawls looked great against the Bengals. Yeah. Better than Marshawn Lynch has, and but the Panthers have given up never, under
4: Lynch has never been healthy this
2: year. That's that's fine. And and the offense playing, and for play the most Sunday. part, the offensive line for the Seahawks I thought played
1: pretty well in that game. It, f- it all fell apart late, uh, especially passing the ball. But for the most part, it was their best game of the
2: year. Panthers have given up under 100 yards the first three games of the year before last last week before the bye. I mean they they've been good against the run.
4: Two two bits of news here, also. Or one bit of news: Derek Coleman, the Seahawks fullback, uh, was arrested. On Thursday, Um, he started two games for me. He's been in the picture for them for a while. Hit and run and vehicular assault are the charges. So he was uh, immediately suspended by the team. So he's out of the picture. Who knows what's going on with Derek Coleman? He's a fullback. Obviously not going to win or lose
3: this game, but that's a notable loss as well for the team. Can I raise my hand one more time and say, how in the hell did they
1: lose that game last week? (laughs) Uh, no, no, I mean I'm being. Dead Russell Wilson deserves here. a lot of it, and he didn't sure get, he didn't get any blame. He threw a red zone interception, and then once the Lou, uh, not Lou Rawls, Thomas Rawls made <laughs> got that, <laughs> out, we'll not, never and the de- defense scored. They they had three first downs in their next six drives, and he missed open receivers. And this, some
5: of that's on Daryl Bevel for going
1: run, run, pass every time. That's yep. fair, but mm. this never shows up in the box score. Wilson does miss some open guys where he just doesn't see them. Like, it's nothing that anyone ever picks on, but he'll have open guys, and, and it gets blamed on the offensive line because then he starts running around and he gets sacked. But you, he could have delivered some open pass. Well,
2: how about Andy Dalton pegging throws downfield? How
1: about Andy Dalton
5: picking on Cam Chancellor?
2: Yeah.
4: This from Chris Wessling, the NFL Media Research Notes. <laughs> Cam Newton, we know the running game, by the way. Uh, Can't wait for this nugget. For the Carolina Panthers is not taken off with uh, their running backs. Cam has rushed for 195 yards at 43 carries, two touchdowns. He's on pace for 172 rushes this season, which would be a new record that would destroy an NFL record held a, a, a quarterback that ran 141 times for the Chicago Bears once upon a time Bobby in the Douglas. '70s. Exactly, Chris Wessling. Bob, Bobby Douglas. That is a lot of carries for Cam Newton
5: and a lot of wear and tear. Got to be that careful. That is there. a relevant nugget that you somehow. That's what I do. Dug out of that
2: research. Well, bag. that damn. Is a scorned individual who has Jonathan Stewart in his fantasy backfield.
4: Well, I gotta say, you can put say. that one on me. You've Wes, who was my uh, my draft consultant on draft day. We're four and one. We're doing okay. Hired by Uh, You were involved (laughs) with the hiring process. I
2: scoped out the talent and hired him.
4: 16% ownership share for
2: Mark
3: Sessler. Sessler had Kevin Costner as his draft day consultant.
2: (laughs) I am on this team, and I actually – you know, The best thing about draft day, the movie,
4: by the way, not the movie itself, which was bad, but we got to see a screening of it for uh, the NFL media. Somehow they were like, come to our movie, and they cornered Mark famously, as we know him. Mark gave them some – some nuggets that like <laughs> well, him being on movie posters. <laughs> All
2: right. With cl- I, it's the right, greatest thing that's
1: ever happened. What was it? It was like, <laughs> what, t- what, t- was, what was the exact quote? Thank God
3: the Browns won. I, no. no,
2: I do not remember what the quote was, but I can tell you that I initially tweeted out, Wes and I both it's like thought. like full of heart. We gave a yeah, B. yes. Yeah. We gave it a B plus I thought at it was better
3: than most people. Gave. Yeah, I think he yeah. said
5: something like, it's the Casablanca of sports I movie. did not the say that. The point I was trying
4: to get to is the thing that Mark was upset about when we left the theater was that Joe Banner had a cameo in the film to the point where Mark was saying, seriously, you know, somebody should talk to him about pulling him out of it because he had it been s-
2: fired sends
3: a bad message.
2: Well, he had been fired. That's why it was He's not trying like to not ruin
3: Joe me. Banner's acting career. Is that what well, you're trying? we all like pick the Seahawks? Banner, but- by the way, we we'll all pick the Seahawks. I can I I have a ten second story. I promise yeah. about draft day. So we're at the premiere. Okay, in, humble brag. In, yeah, it's just a fact. <laughs> How many times in, you get recognized in, then, in really? Westwood? Actually, there no, n- not at all. It's all movie stars. We're at the premiere. So after the premiere, you know, Darlington, our Jeff Darlington, right, who who's, lives in Miami. I call him Jeff Dolphington on the air because we often send him to Davy. So yeah. Darlington had uh, something in the movie, but it, it was cut. I think right. Yeah, he was it, at the bar. He's at the right, yeah. at, at the bar in the party, and he actually had a line that was cut. Right? Where he said something to Costner. Oh, that hurts. So we're at the premiere afterwards, at the party afterwards. I think we've had a drink. And Costner's over there with a bunch of people around him. And Darlington, and Alex Marvez was there, too, our good friend from Fox. He
2: got cut as well.
3: He got cut. They got cut. And Darlington goes, basically, and I'm cleaning this up, The hell with this. I'm going in. (laughs) So... Marvez and I get right behind Darlington, and imagine Marvez with his ponytail here. So I'm in front, I'm behind Darlington, Marvez behind me, and basically, Darlington busts right into Costner's conversation, which is dangerous. Just and then basically just walls everyone else off and does the, "Hey, I'm Jeff Darlington. We met. I, I, my scene got cut." And oh my god! And (laughs) and Costner played ball. Oh, and so cool. we all nice. stood there, ended up having a good conversation with Kevin Costner about Field of Dreams and all this other stuff too because Jeff Darlington, dogged reporter that he is, to just said, I am going in. He's was- like
2: Adrian Brody working with Terrence Malick in Thin Red Line. Uh, didn't get that one, <laughs> but sure, okay. Uh, well, if we're going to
4: tell uh, one more draft day story. so <laughs> oh, were- By
2: the way, just railroad me on trying to explain why that quote came out the way it did. I'm not okay, a complete go I'm idiot. I'm sorry. I am sort of an idiot though, because <laughs> so I was, it was in, full of heart. Well, no, I wrote them a full paragraph, and I learned a lesson. Because when you get put on one of these movie sure. poster things, they use like two words of it, and I wrote it with like three glasses of wine in me in South Carolina on a semi-vacation. Terrible idea. <laughs> Never review a you movie were in South Carolina.
4: Yes, uh, my I, story is they were filming part of that at Radio City Music Hall at the draft in right. two thousand twelve, I believe. And I had gotten there my first day, and I was in the process of getting my security badge, and they have a little room at Radio City. And Frank Langella, the veteran actor who mm-hmm. played the owner of the Browns of the film, mm-hmm. was sitting there, and you could tell they had been filming during the day, and he was losing his patience a little bit. And uh, he, was, he needed to get some type of badge, I think, for the, for the movie or some type of clearance. And eventually Langella, who looks very – he's losing patience. He just walks out. Of Radio City Music Hall, and like I fought him, I see him just kind of walking down the street, down 6th Avenue. And then, sure enough, there comes like four PAs screaming into the room minutes later. It's like, Where's Frank? Where's Frank? And I'm like, <laughs> Frank's gone, baby.
2: <laughs> Frank's <laughs> gone. Frank Dad's dead, back. baby. Uh,
4: all right. One, let's do one more game with Andrew. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, so. Listen, not a great game here. We got a one in four team against a one in four team. Not one of our feel like you're intentionally things. holding the Browns and Broncos out from me. <laughs> we next week. Next no, week, no him so in. we'll get them in next week. So this is a rematch of the Super Bowl. So you could try to pump that up if you want CBS. Good luck with that. But the truth of the matter, these are two bad teams. Uh, maybe one is way worse than the other. Chris Wessling. But at the end of the day, two teams that we've forked and don't believe have any chance already this season.
5: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any debate. They're both bad teams. I picked the 49ers because they've played so much better at home than they have on the road. Mm-hmm. They have been just, you know, they've been the worst defense in the NFL when they've played on the road. And they've been pretty, they've had a pretty good backbone at home.
1: They they held Aaron Rodgers to 17 points in their last home game. And it's hard not to watch this matchup and, and think of the Super Bowl that was on our network uh, this week where Colin Kaepernick was a strangely timed timeout away from scoring about 30, what would have been he was going 30, 38, 38 points to win a Super Bowl he'd be a My Super goodness. Bowl champion he was not only that but with a in. great performance in the Super Bowl yep he was in the end zone where's that guy hey, it's it's crazy how much changes cuz i mean the ravens are a shell of that team that although well, that team had an up and down defense that defense is totally gone uh the offense no longer has nearly the same threat. It might as well be 15 years ago, and it really it was only three seasons ago, and it, and, it, and it's all gone. You know what struck me from watching the Ravens this week? I, I love me some Ozzie Newsome, and
3: uh, Ozzie is a unique individual in this sport. In that you can make a compelling argument that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Not only as a player, he's already there, but as an executive as well. Sure. He's that good, and he has had a a great track record other than his inability to draft wide receivers, which is odd considering the position he played. Um... Travis Taylor, Mark Travis Clayton. Travis Taylor, Mark Clayton. I mean, Torrey Smith worked, but, I mean, it, not exactly. I'd say yeah, they all, worked. They, worked, they all
5: underwhelmed considering what we thought they would be when they were drafted. Torrey Smith sure. is
3: by far his best
1: receiver by far ever taken.
3: And Brashad Perriman, for whatever reason, it's an injury. Ozzie can't predict those. It hasn't worked yet this year. Maybe it will for the kid eventually. But with the injuries to the secondary, and Ozzie promised he, 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 he would never let what happened last year with his secondary happen this year. The secondary is not good. They're beset by injuries again. You know, they had to get a guy like Jason Babbitt off the street because Terrell Suggs gets hurt. Then Babbitt had two stupid penalties this past week, and he ends up on the street. Um, they're thin at running back. We all know that Justin Forsett was was a guy we were happy for him that late in his career came on, but he probably isn't the long-term answer. Talia Faro's now hurt as well. Sure, the offensive line – it, it, it's nice but then what, what what else do you have there you got a quarterback and they they don't be, have playmakers it's supposed to be nice yeah. it hasn't been right. nice they, they, they
1: run the ball okay but they do not protect flacco course. at all flacco is not the problem i think he's playing just fine it's really everything they right have right. no playmakers
5: on that team smith they've heard they have none forseats coming off his best game of the year but he's he injured his ankle and i think in late in the fourth quarter overtime so he might not even play this well, one. Yeah, Baltimore I don't would
2: not have Rock, lost Rock that Allen. game if Steve Allen or Steve Smith and Crockett Gilmore were healthy.
3: Probably considering know. the state of the Brown secondary. Sure. Absolutely. And and look, maybe Max Williams will be the guy and Crockett Gilmore can make some plays, but you look at that team and you say, All right, without Steve Smith, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go you're gonna go four and twelve. Maybe. That's crazy. It, it's it's and again, I'm not putting it all on Isaac Discuss's feet, but this was a team
1: that intelligent people said was a Super Bowl team coming into the season. No reason to think they weren't. They they were absolutely a Super Bowl team last year despite a ton of injuries. Then they are a Josh Scoby missed kick or a Todd Haley
3: right. bad play call away from being 0-5. Right. Hmm. Well,
4: I mean, I still I struggle to wrap my head around them not going on a run. And at this point, cause they're so far in the hole, it will probably have them finish 8-8. Eight and eight. A, a complete meltdown with what they have a quarterback, coach, and GM, and some players on the roster. Hey, Tell right? you what, they are stunned. I would be stunned. Well, going
2: 5-11 and 11 or something is not a complete meltdown when you've started 1-4, and four and what and what has been consistently bad about them from game to game is not going to suddenly get fixed in a fluky way. They legitimately just can't match up to teams this uh, year.
4: Connor, I, Connor Orr and myself, we both picked the Ravens. The rest of the crew picked the Niners, so... Uh, that tells you a lot about
1: oh, where okay. the Ravens that's are right still now. thinking. No sphere. one wants Jim Sula to no. go crazy. I, I feel like if he loses
2: one or two more games, he's, he's going to go crazy. Loses right. Sweating like an absolute madman. Someone like, <laughs> well, trapped in a, tr- a runaway train. Tell him to stop wearing a velvet
3: sweatsuit everywhere for pizza. <laughs> well,
2: that's fair. <laughs> exactly.
3: um, or it's velour, whatever that thing is. I, it's I, comfortable, <laughs> you can tell. I like the Ravens here as well. Um, and I'll just tell you from from friends back there, I grew up an hour south of there. Those people are stunned. And if they're stunned, I assume the team is stunned that they lost to the Browns. And this isn't me pumping up the Browns. They had beaten them 13 out of 14. They still cannot fathom nor stomach that that's where they've fallen well, to.
1: Well, that was that was the game that. <laughs> Mark, it's and true Grand. though. That's the game that told you everything you need to know about them because they just assumed, despite that, the Ravens assumed. and they're going to win. Get back that game. on track. And, and you mentioned the five and eleven, and you know wouldn't be a total disaster coming off one and three to start. But this is an organization. They've had one losing
2: season since two thousand. I'm saying it wouldn't be a surprise. Right, it it would be, be a, a disaster. Surprise. Yeah.
4: Uh, the Around the NFL television show yes, is on. NFL Network Monday, which
3: Greg Rosenthal
1: stole the show on today.
4: Oh, yeah. Greg was on the show today. Yeah, the the, uh, the QB getting called
3: names discussion. by Mike Silver. I know. Yes. I should
1: I should have gone back. What name that, did he call you? That Raider hater. I mean, he just makes any point he can against the Raiders. He acts like he's the most unbiased uh, journalist. <laughs> he just buries him. Call uh, him an apologist.
4: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, six p.m. Eastern. Thursday, a three-hour show, two to five. Home run. Andrew <laughs> got it right. Nailed it. Andrew also. <laughs> Uh, hosts the Red Zone sh- show on DirecTV on Sundays. Busy man, uh, popular man, a famous man,
2: getting recognized on every street. Court. Finally, By Dodgers, mother only,
4: Mets, Jacob DeGrom, Z- uh, Zach. Get a Nike. haircut. And,
2: Get a
1: haircut. And, and when people or, listen, your to this, they they will either know that you are a genius, or yes. right, or, or that you're wrong because they'll hear it and the game will be already be over. It's amazing that the
3: Dodgers won four to two to move on to the NLC. Okay.
4: There depressing. you go. And football equivalent to the bat flip before you go. <laughs> See, Jose I don't know Batista, that, I, I, do don't know that the the there yeah. is
3: a football equivalent to the bat flip. I mean, it isn't exactly T.O. standing on the star. Mm. Mm. Um, it's Ray, close, Ra- Ray Rado had a great one today. He said the baseball unwritten rule is don't do anything to anger me. And clearly Jose Batista did that. But I think and I tweeted this this morning.
2: Son of Judy Batista, by the way. <laughs> stop it. We <laughs> we cool. need
3: to we need to stop calling what Jose Batista did a bat flip. And I'm not I, I couldn't care less on the sportsmanship here. He didn't flip the bat, he threw it. Yeah. He he threw it like a javelin. Right. Okay? And and <laughs> that and, and, and <laughs> that is why that the, the Rangers are so ticked off. He didn't flip the bat. I mean, he threw that thing like a jet. He was trying to take, take out somebody. Take it out next time if you don't want him to flip I'm with back. you. See, you, you think or that I'm somehow make... criticizing no, him. No, no. I'm just saying that semantics, the semantics are wrong here. It was not a bat flip. Stop calling it a bat flip.
4: <laughs> and also, if you want to be mad, be mad that you made three consecutive errors before the and misjudged
3: a pop-up. They choked defensively. Gag. I mean, th- pain th- rankings, th- MLB th- those pain were... rankings, the Rangers are way up high, I'll tell you that. I mean, these are literally plays catch the ball when it's thrown to you at a base. And they couldn't execute those.
2: I could not agree with you more, and I know nothing about the sport.
3: <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> you've said it all. That is a Brick Tamlin answer right there. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew,
4: you've said it all. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy yourself at the game, and be careful in the parking lot. For God's sake, it gets raunchy <laughs> out there. I'm wearing a Chevelle's jersey. So That's relax. a tough one. <laughs> it's true. Good night. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. Uh, moving on, Sunday Night Football. Everybody likes Sunday night football. The New England Patriots, oh, they're so good. Everybody loves them. Oh, they've been cleared of any wrongdoing, and they have a hot, sexy, successful Mm. quarterback, and they might be the best offense ever, and now they get to face who else but the Indianapolis Colts, the very team who snitched. Snitches get stitches, and all those stitches might get applied Sunday night because (laughs) the big showdown revenge
5: it's the flight gate snitches get 60 points dropped on him. Oh. oh, 60 burger, 60. Burger. You think Rodney Harrison, one of your, one of your favorite points. characters in NFL history is a hack said this week. This is a good quote. I know a little something. You attack the quarterback. You accuse them of doing some cheating and things like that. They are going to try and put up 50 points and embarrass you. But they are trying to do that every week. And he's not talking about just the Colts, but the Colts are coming. They're going to get what's coming to them for subjecting the entire country to the most ridiculous controversy and we've ever seen.
1: Dan got me thinking. Everyone does love these Patriots, as you said. You know, great-looking quarterback. Everything's Maybe we could have more than one team of ATL. Oh, the teams so. of ATL. Let's get the Patriots. Get the, what a, get the what potato a, sack out. What a bunch of lovable. What a throne of sleaze. Get this throne
4: of sleaze out of my what life. What a
2: bunch of lovable upstarts. I'm on Patriots board. You, Wes is not crazy <laughs> with the 60-burger. Wes 60 is a burger. Patriots
4: fan straight up, by the way.
2: <laughs> he is a let's, non. Let's call it like it is He's now. a football historian who appreciates. I appreciate a, 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 team, a team. He's a, a non-deflategate fan. He, and it's not crazy, 60-burger. The 45-7 to 7 AFC title game. Patriots only up 17-7 to 7 at half. They played the first half the way they did the second. They easily get to 60. 45
5: is not even their average. They averaged like 47 against the Colts the last four or five times they played. I will point to
4: history. 2007 Spygate, it was the Jets, of course, that turned in the Patriots. And I remember as a Jets fan – pee in my pants it was a, a, a 10 t- on the scale my pants was soaked with all this pee I needed to change them <laughs> I had to change my underpants and my pants so it was so much pee because it was a bad jet team I think they went 4-12 and that year I think Pennington got hurt Jets were the least of your problems it and, like. and what happened was <laughs> at, at Foxboro everyone thought it would be a 60 burger whatever it would be 20-10 to 10, the Patriots won, and Brady, who threw 50 touchdowns that year, was I think the only game he didn't have a touchdown pass. All I'm saying is just because they really want to kill the Colts, it doesn't mean it'll necessarily be Well, that play.
2: was a I, less I effective version of the droid that is Brady. They've updated the model. He's that much more dangerous. Wait,
4: that's a, actually a good question. Do you think Tom Brady now is better than Tom Brady 2007, Greg? No,
1: no, I don't think it's that close. So. I also don't think it's going to help to lose Nate Solder for the season. They're going to. Try mm-hmm. to play Marcus Cannon at left tackle. I mean, that's a guy solder They just paid huge money to. Before. And he yeah, wasn't. And
2: he wasn't playing well. He
1: wasn't playing great. And by I the think way, going to kill him this week against the I Colts. Think Sam, they
2: lead the league in line changes and adjustments, and it hasn't affected them one bit. I believe it was Sam Monson at PFF that
4: tweeted out that Patriot uh, Brady gets the ball out on average two point one seconds, which plays to having a, a taking advantage of if your line isn't that great, being
5: able to get the ball out. So uh, they'll be
4: fine.
1: Okay, you're right. Dan,
5: I don't think the <laughs> Patriots are going to drop 60 points on them just because they're mad. It's because they always beat the living tar out of the Colts. Mm. Well, the, that's this true. This is the most one-sided matchup in the NFL.
1: <sighs>
5: <My laughs> music. Here, uh, here comes the cherub <laughs> floating
4: in. There's a harp. Why are there thunderclouds? I
5: don't know. I'm changing my prediction. I now predict the final score 84-3. to three. <laughs> Patriots win. Colts, uh, basically, that's your confidence. One up. thing,
4: if you're a Colts fan out there and you want to hope, Andrew Luck threw with, quote, no restrictions in the portion of practice open to the media Is that good on news? Thursday, according to the Indianapolis Star. Well, they're going to lose their the 10th best quarterback in the league, Matt He's Hasselbeck. He's going to be throwing some with
2: some restrictions <laughs> on Sunday night. Uh, yeah. So,
4: it will be, if nothing else, it will be fascinating theater to see how that game plays out, which takes us to Monday night football, and I think... I think we all took the pats there. We did. Monday night football: the New York Giants playing their forty seventh straight primetime game. Uh, (laughs) They head to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Um, I don't know. This this is a tough game because the division's so hard to figure out. Seriously, nobody's really good. No one's truly terrible. So every team. Anybody can win any of these games. I, I The Giants might not have Odell Beckham, which could be a difference maker. But does anybody have a real strong handle on how this game is going to play out?
1: No, that's why I'm
4: you know, peeking at the picks. I'm surprised it's so one-sided. I got a hero pick out of this if we still did hero picks. Uh, I took the
5: Giants, but I'm the only one in the group. Well, I think that's how important Odell Beckham is to the Giants. I think without him, they don't have a chance. I mean, the Eagles, really? wow.
1: yes, I, do I would agree that. with that, the too. Have a been,
2: chance, I don't know, but they have a chance.
1: The Eagles are the only team in, in NFL history that offense could look fairly lousy when they score 39 points. Or Sam Bradford, at least, could have a bad game when they score 39 points. That didn't change, it, my, change my mind on the Eagles' offense at all. Would it
2: kill DeMarco Murray to make a defender miss? Right. Ever. Well, they need to just give him... One-fourth the touches they give to Ryan Matthews, this like we've been saying all summer and fall. This is what really disturbs me about
5: Chip Kelly, a, a man who who we've called brilliant and innovative and thinks, thinks outside the box, addresses problems not by doing what football coaches have always done. And here he is with this real corporate mindset. I've invested so much money into DeMarco Murray that he can't be allowed to fail. I'm gonna keep playing him, even though Darren
1: Sproles and Ryan Matthews are better than him. Don't you think it's a little early to pull the plug on Murray like that?
5: Well, I don't. No, until he's I think, playing
1: better. How about that?
5: I think he's running like he did in December when he wasn't making any women. With running backs, you can tell how they're running pretty easily,
2: and he looks like Snowsuit Ray Rice right now. He just Ryan Matthews. You can. It's easy to tell, even if you were ten feet away from the TV, which. Running back it is. There was
5: – I think you're exactly right. There was one play in that game last week where I could not believe Murray did not make the defender miss an open space. It was such an easy play to make, and he can't move laterally.
1: His 24-yard gain, which was – I think it must have been his longest run of the season, was actually a play where I thought, wow, I mean, if you have Ryan Matthews with that hole, he's going 60 yards Yeah. because you had a pretty slow linebacker catching DeMarco Murray on that play. It's the defense that's the reason they're two and three. The defense is an above average defense right now. Well, well above average. Well above average. They they might have the best safety tandem in the league with and, Walter Thurman and Malcolm Jenkins right now. And they have one of the best defensive line tandems in the league with Fletcher Cox and, and Benny Logan. I mean, Benny Logan shows up Cedric Thornton every single week. Benny Logan shows up and Cox, who was great last year. I mean, we, you had him at one point in the mix of defen- top ten defensive players. He, he's and Back, backing it up with another big season. Jordan
5: Hicks, their third-round rookie, has been a mainstay lately in our top-10 rookie of the year watch. And that's why you can't count out the Eagles as much as I would love to
4: because I'd like to see Chip Kelly get his comeuppance for all shenanigans over the last couple of years. But at the same time, they, if they're going to have a you know top-15 level defense uh, and then you just count as that offense just going to get going a little bit, that's enough to win the
2: division. This is well, not a great division. They were one in three two years ago, but that was an offense that put up, I think, 80 plays of 20-plus yards, which easily led the league. They're like 22nd in that category, and if you watch Bradford, he's basically just throwing to running backs and tight ends outside of Jordan Matthews this season. He's not throwing the ball downfield. They're not creating that. They're not the same offense they were two seasons ago at all. It, the only,
1: th- I mean, last week he didn't really have one really impressive throw, and he had three or four pretty bad ones. He had a terrible interception. And yet, and yet they still scored 39 points. they they moved the ball at the end of the Washington game. I, this is a team. It's so hard to know what to think. It just hit me, though. Wes called Malcolm Jenkins, who has been fantastic, and Walter Thurman the best safety tandem in the league, did you say? Yeah. In the same league as Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, I mean. That's no,
5: I mean how they're playing this year. Earl Thomas hasn't played like Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor got worked by the
2: Bengals. Well, it's a good thing because Byron Maxwell is a disaster.
5: Well, look at what Chip Kelly's done. Byron Maxwell, he splurges on Demarco Murray, even though he already had Ryan Matthews. Splurges on him to steal him away from the Cowboys. He gave Riley Cooper five years and twenty-five million. Does Chip Kelly know what he's doing in personnel? Well,
1: it's kind. It's kind of like. Uh, college, you just want someone, then you go get him. So it's like here. Well, I don't know if he's hmm. thinking about the value of it all. How he rose money at all. In some shed
4: on the far side of the practice field they never use, <laughs> laughing his ass off. He loves it.
5: John Riggins used to have a five o'clock club in the shed at the Redskins practice facility where they would go after practice and drink beer, and, and they would never let Theisman join. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you a
3: lot. Wow.
4: All right. That's it for another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. We'll be back on Sunday night with our big week six recap. So make sure you check that out. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the Quiet Storm, the Mailman, the Boss, and Sid behind the glass. Till Sunday night.